actually in week three of our series on James. And I get the pleasure of speaking on judgment and mercy from James chapter two. But before we get into our passage, I'd like you just uh, to begin with to imagine that there is a guy that I really want to impress. Now, I don't know this guy very well. I know him mainly by reputation. And he owns one of the biggest houses on the avenue in Lower Sunbury. He also owns a whole fleet of really expensive cars, including one for each of his grown-up children, because he's quite a generous guy like that. He sits on the board of uh, a number of big companies, and because of such, he gets given tickets to all the big sporting and music events. But because he's always so busy, he can't attend, so he gives them away to his friends. Now, he's also quite a generous guy in the sense of he, he likes to give away money to charity, generally when asked. So, as you can imagine, he'd be quite a handy guy to know if I wanted to raise money for a church project, say like, I don't know, building project? So for obvious reasons, I'd like to get to know this guy a bit better. So when he comes to our evening service here at St Saviour's, I invite him to take a seat right here at the front on this nice comfy sofa. And I, I say to him, you know, can I get you a drink? You know, offer to get him a drink and I introduce him to all the important people because obviously I've got everybody ranked by popularity and usefulness. <laughs> so anyway, off I go to get him a drink. And as, as I turn to go to the back, I see another newcomer in, coming in through the doors. Now, I've seen this guy before. I've seen him stood at the bus stop. I've seen him going into the job centre in Staines. I'm pretty sure he lives in a council house on Greenleys. I say that because I'm pretty sure it was him I saw being led out by, hang, in handcuffs by the police. He's got a scar on his face and a hole in his jumper and another in his shoe. And his hair is greasy and it's unkempt. So I'm a little embarrassed by this guy because I don't think he's quite representing the type of people that come here. So I make a beeline for the door, keen for my friend here at the front not to clock him. And I find him a seat at the back in the dark where the lights don't hit. And I ask one of the sides people to keep an eye on him. Now, I don't know why these two guys have come to church this evening. It might be because they've, they feel led by the Holy Spirit. It might be because they've been invited. It might be because they just want to check out what happens here at St. Saviour's. Who knows? But for argument's sake, let's say that our well-to-do, wealthy pillar of the community here has come to church because he has a friend or a client who is unhappy with our building project. And he thinks we've cut corners and not done things properly, and he wants to take us to court. So this guy here has, has come to check us out for himself before actually taking us to court. And our friend at the back there, well, he won 150 million on the Euro lottery last night. And feeling overwhelmed by it all, felt he had to come to church and give thanks and praise to God and ask what he should do with the money. 
how foolish do I feel? Now, obviously, this is a huge misrepresentation of us here at St. Saviour's. At least I would hope it is. Um, If we do act like that, please do put us up on it. Let's duck into our reading, shall we? James chapter 2, 1 to 13. Neil, if we can have that on the screen, that'd be great. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favouritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there, or you sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonoured the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself. You're doing right. But if you show favouritism, you sin and you are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Irrespective of their financial or social status, how should have I invite, you know, treated our two imaginary guests to church this evening? Both the same, with a kind, warm welcome. You see, God doesn't call us to treat people differently because of what they have or how they look. He calls us to treat everybody the same with love and compassion, with respect and friendship. Not only that, but the Bible goes one step further and says that failure to do so is a sin. To judge one person over another is sinful, verses 8 and 9 of our passage. We are called to love each other as we love ourselves. And and failure to do so is no less serious than sticking a knife in someone's back. We all judge people to a greater or lesser degree, whether it's their looks, their clothes, their mental capabilities, their physical impairments, their social standing, their friendships. Maybe it's their family that you judge them by or their wealth. Some of those people that we judge in a negative way are given the hardest time by society and by our social system. And the one thing they need is for us to be giving them a break, cutting them some slack, embracing them for who they are and not for how they appear. 
This is what the Bible's talking about when it says in verse 13, mercy triumphs over judgment, cutting them some slack, just as God promises to do for us. So what is mercy? Let's take a closer look at our two fabricated visitors to church. On the one hand, we have our rough-round-the-edges guy at the back there, whom we've judged to be poor and scruffy and a potentially dangerous criminal. Maybe he doesn't live his life the way we would choose to live ours. Maybe he has made some bad choices. Maybe he has done some things that are worthy of judgment. But is it our place to cast that judgment? Okay, so maybe he's committed a crime. Isn't that something for the police and the courts to judge and not us? We've all done things wrong in our lives, things we're ashamed of and would rather forget. And it's those things that we would hope people didn't hold against us if they knew about them. If people found out about that poor choice or that mistake that we made, that they would have mercy and not label us with it as being part of our character. You see, Jesus sees all those things and yet has mercy. He doesn't judge us, he doesn't judge a whole character by the mistakes we make. But instead he looks to the heart and the nature of the person we're trying to be, seeking to be, in looking to him. The Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4 had five husbands, and the guy she was in relationship with wasn't her husband. But Jesus didn't judge her. Instead, he engaged her in conversation, as he would anyone else. Much to the surprise, so scripture tells us, of the other disciples. John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery that was about to be stoned was guilty. But Jesus didn't judge her either. Instead, he gave her the opportunity of going away, changing her ways, giving her a second chance. Luke 23, the criminal on the cross, he'd been judged as guilty and was serving his sentence. Yet Jesus saw his heart and had mercy on him with his dying breath. Now on the other hand, we have our wealthy pillar of the community, the guy that everyone wants to know. But he's got plenty of skeletons in his closet, just as we all have. He appears all squeaky clean, but he's not. He's just like the rest of us. His crimes are no less serious than the guy at the back that I've tried to hide away. It's just that society maybe treats this guy a little differently. Maybe it's his social standing. Maybe it's because he has the means of covering things up and putting on a good appearance. Or maybe it's because of The circles that he travels in make those things more acceptable. Would we judge him the same way if we knew his story? We all have a story. 
and everyone has deep-rooted feelings when it comes to the pain and regret of the things we've done wrong. The guilt that can sometimes tear us apart, both emotionally and physically. Jesus encountered plenty of people on both scales, the poor and the needy, the outcast of society for whatever reason, and the rich and the powerful, the religious elite and the community leaders. They're all recorded in scripture as having had encounters with Jesus. He could have snubbed all of these people if he chose to, but he didn't. No matter what their appearance or social standing, Jesus treated everyone the same. With love and compassion. Sure, he grated with some. Those who didn't want to know him or understand him. But apart from his cutting remarks to the Pharisees, which incidentally were there to snap them out of their religiosity, to draw them to a place of grace and compassion. Apart from those comments... Did Jesus ever choose to speak badly of anyone or slander anyone or react to them any differently because of their looks, their health, their finance or lack of? If anything, he chose to show them more mercy because of their lacking, stooping low with a lofty elite there and bow, holding, healing the soldier's child and the blind beggar alike, befriending the tax collector and the prostitute. You know, it's interesting when it talks of, about um, Zacchaeus in Luke 19 and the shock at Jesus going to his home to eat with him because of who he was. It implies that Jesus was used to going to the homes of people of a better standing, of a higher social standing. So as we see with our friend here sitting comfortably on the sofa, or maybe at this point he's uncomfortable on the sofa, Even those with money and power have a story and their own struggles. The same as those characters in the Bible. But Jesus doesn't judge them either. Instead, he had empathy with the rich and the likes of Caiaphas and Pilate and the Jewish leaders. He identified with the struggles of wealth and power and he expressed to his hearers how difficult it was for them to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So not only do we need to have mercy with those whom we can see their struggles, but also with those to whom we are blind to their struggles. Which brings us back to not judging people by their appearance. It's not our place to judge, but we can have mercy. Next time you see a homeless person on the street, Maybe stop and ask them if they're okay. Maybe offer to buy them a cup of coffee or a sandwich. You know, sometimes it's the simple things that make a difference. Next time you hear that someone's got in trouble with the police, instead of condemning them, maybe give them a shoulder to cry on. Next time you hear of a marriage breakup, maybe don't take sides but offer impartial friendship and a listening ear. Next time a colleague makes a mistake, well, maybe cut them some slack. Next time a family member lets you down, maybe swallow those cutting words that you're so tempted to use. 
Jesus faced the judgment of man by dying on the cross, judged by people who didn't want to see beyond their own misconceptions. Yet on the cross, Jesus asked his Father to have mercy on those who were having him killed. I don't know about you, but I find that extremely challenging, especially when I feel someone doesn't deserve to be let off the hook. When I feel like lashing out because I'm the injured party. Or because I know, or I think I know, that certain person deserves to be judged for what I think they've done. Maybe you're sitting here and you feel judged. Maybe you think people judge you. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I often feel judged because of my health. I feel like people look at me when I limp or use my walking stick or struggle to stand up. Or maybe it's because I don't have a job at the moment or because when I'm tired and in pain, I can come across as moody. Do you wish people would get off your case Maybe not judge you for that one thing? When we feel judged, we sometimes wish people would stop going on about our imperfections. Stop focusing on those things we know are there and see past those issues. Yes, it's good to know people care about some of those things, our finances, our health, our relationships, all those things that we struggle with. But do we want it to be the only thing that people recognise us for? When Jesus spoke to that woman in the well in John 4, he didn't focus on her issue. He engaged her in conversation about drawing water from the well. Then he gave an opening and allowed her to raise the issue of her husband. If you know someone going through a relationship breakup, maybe the one thing they need to talk about is something else. If you know someone who is having financial problems, maybe pointing it out to them all the time will make them feel worse about it. If you know someone is having problems with the law, do we really want them to feel worse by snubbing them and going around gossiping about it? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't take an interest in these things and show compassion and help out practically. But that person is more than the sum of the things that we would judge them for. Maybe you know someone who's going through a hard time. What can you do to lift their spirits? Take them for a coffee? Sit and watch a movie with them? Look after their kids for an hour so they can get some rest. Maybe pop to Tesco's. Do their shopping for them. Maybe simply just send them a message to let them know you're thinking of them. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes how when he was a prisoner in chains in Rome, everyone had deserted him. Everyone had abandoned him because he was judged to be a criminal. And they were afraid of how that would make them look. In 2 Timothy 1.16, Paul tells of Onesiphorus, who Paul says, often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. That one person's act of mercy lifted the spirits of Paul and helped him to keep going. 
And in turn, Paul prays that God will bless Onesiphorus with mercy too when it comes to the day of judgment. Paul acknowledges that how that one man acted differently towards him. And isn't that how we want to be remembered? As people that act differently. As those who act as Christ Jesus would have. Jesus' words of, on, of guidance in the, the Sermon on the Mount, they're not, they're not words for others to follow. Those are words of guidance for us all, for us to follow. If we stopped judging people, now I think here at St. Saviour's, we're, we're pretty good at this, but we can always be better, and I include myself in that. If we stop judging people, and started acting with more love and compassion and mercy towards each other. What sort of effect could that have on those we might otherwise judge? And how would that affect God's church and the community around us? Do you want to be judged? Or would you rather someone show you mercy? I would rather someone show, rather someone treat me the way I believe Jesus would have treated me. How about you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are a God who cares about us enough to not judge us by all the mistakes we make, that you have mercy on us when we turn to you. Lord, help us to be likewise. Help us to see the people that you see. May we see people through your eyes. May we not judge each other, but treat each other with love and respect with kindness and mercy, Lord. Teach us to have a merciful heart. Help us to see people differently the way you see them. And Heavenly Father, may we stand out as being different May people see the love of Christ through us. In Jesus' name, amen.